Welcome to Generations for Christ podcast. My name is Pastor Groom. I hope and pray that you will be blessed with this message. Stay until the end. I speak to you from the Word of God, um, specifically from uh, one of the stories of Jesus' ministry. If you can go to John chapter 5, if you can go to John chapter 5, verse 1 to verse 15. And I'm going to use the NLT translation. So if you are, if you're following me on your on your phone, switch it to NLT, and then um, let's read it together. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jews, uh, the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda, or Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men laying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water bubbles up, someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Innocently, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeps. I'm sorry. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But his miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, "You can't work on Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat." But he he replied, "The man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk." Who says such a thing? As that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jew leader that it was Jesus who had healed him. Father, speak to us through your word. Give me the authority and the wisdom to communicate your word effectively. And I pray, Father, Lord, that this word will transform us. And transform everyone that hears your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now the story is about um, a place where people will go there looking for healing. They go specifically to this uh, part of the city in order to find a healing. And there was a pool there that they believe once in a while will have a bubble. It just moves. And then they believe... It was the angel of the Lord that will move that, that water. And whoever jumps, like so people will jump into it. And, and whoever jumps, uh, they get to be healed. And that's the experience people had. People had testimonies. So people will line up in this place for a while early in the morning. They will come to make sure they're one of the first people that were going to jump into the pool. Interestingly, the name of the place is Bethsida, which literally means house of mercy or house of grace. So people are coming to a place called House of Mercy and House of Grace in order to experience their healing, restoration from whatever sickness. In fact, the Bible kind of mentions what kind of sickness they had, right? They had, some of them were uh, blind people, lame people, paralyzed people, and they all lay down. Sick people would just come from all over the country just waiting for that moment so they can experience their healing. Everybody wanted hope. Everybody wanted something from God in that place. 
So Jesus comes to this specific guy who has been paralyzed, who has been lame for 38 years. We don't know if he's been coming back to this porch for 38 years, but we know, we don't know if it was um, paralysis birth, but we know for sure for 38 years, this guy was unable to walk and he was paralyzed and he will go to this place often looking for that healing. And um, I often read about this story and my attention is usually when I read this story about Jesus' power of healing and, and, and how this guy was hopeless and how he got healed. But I, I ask myself, like, what was he there for? If you can't jump in the water for 38 years, why is he going back there for? And from the conversation that he had with Jesus, I kind of got inside into his way of thinking. And I think it kind of relates to some of us and the way we think, the way we see our world, the way we see God, the way we see the purpose of um, church and God's place and, and the way we live our life among our communities. Jesus' question was, would you like to get well? The question was, would you like to get well? And his response was, as if he's, he's memorized this sentence, as if he has memorized these phrases, the question was, would you like to get healed? And the normal person's response will be, yes, I do. But his response was, I can't, sir. I can't, sir. For I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water bubbles up, someone else always gets there ahead of me. So you're going to that place, not expecting to be healed, in fact, when somebody asks you, would you like to be healed? Your answer is, I can't. And you have this pity story. This story to make people feel sorry for you. And I feel like the Bible didn't specifically talk about uh, why he was there. I feel like he was there to beg for money. He has shifted his desire from getting healed into getting people's pity, uh, people's sympathy, so he can have some help. And it looks like, he has rehearsed this verse. He has rehearsed this phrase. So his first response is, I can't. Every time I come here, this is what they do. This is my situation. I'm sorry, sir. Here is some money. So his expectation has shifted from desiring a, he a healing into de desiring a sympathy. Into desiring somebody just to hear him, his, his um, uh, shortcomings i just want somebody to hear me but you're speaking to jesus he's not here just to hear and relate to you he's here to provide the solution for your problem blessed be the name of the lord blessed be the name of the lord i think even when we approach god we want him to relate to us we want him to understand our situation more than we want him to give us a solution to our problems so we often settle for his sympathy Rather than for his miracle. Jesus understands you more than you understand yourself. But he's not here for you to feel like he understood you. He also has the solution for your problem. Amen? Amen? So um, I just keep thinking about this guy and the way this guy was there. And also ask myself, what happened to the people? For 38 years, we don't know for how many years, how come nobody offered him? How come there's no two uh, guys with muscles that say, you know what, we'll be here tomorrow. Let's meet up at 6 a.m. And we got you, man. We got you. We'll throw you in. We will help you. How come there is no one there to provide help to this guy? How come people are so used to this guy sitting there, 
but he does not exist. How come we looked at the homelessness around us, all the problems in our city, and almost, the question is almost, like, how come the politicians do, don't do something about this? Think about Jesus' question. Jesus' question didn't say, how come nobody helped you? The question wasn't about, how come nobody helped you to get healed? The question was, do you want to be healed? And I think as a church, as people who are always around a house of mercy, as people who are always around a house of grace, as believers, as followers of Christ, I think we're so accustomed, so used to the problem and the situation around us so much that we don't even think about that there is a solution for it. We're always saying, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. This is the way it is. We see the homelessness situation in our city. We see that what our friends go through. We see what our family go through. And we have so accustomed to it, we're just, they're just another person by the side of the road rather than somebody who can be healed, who can be helped by our actions. When I think about the story of this man, the paralyzed man by Bathsheba, that's how he's known for, I thought about another man in the Bible who, was, who has pretty much the same issue, who was blind. And, and uh, Bartholomew was his name. And uh, he heard about Jesus. He heard about Jesus and he was blind. He couldn't see anything, but he heard the commotion because, was, because Jesus was passing by. Just stay with me for a minute. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Jesus was just passing by and there were a lot of people crowding him. There was a commotion. He heard it. When he heard that this blind man asked what's going on, he asked what's going on. The same question, like, you know, the blind man had, he's been blind for a while. He had no solution for a while. And he's begging as he is a professional beggar at this point. But when he heard that Jesus was passing, he started to scream. He started to say, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David. And he started yelling to the point he was getting so annoyed, so annoyed that the people around him said, be quiet. Like, be quiet. Be quiet. Just like Hannah was praying, and her prayer was offending the priest. Because she was screaming and she was crying for her issue. This man was crying the same way. And then Jesus stopped, and he turned around, and he asked for him. See, the Jesus we follow is not a Jesus that talks issues. The Jesus we follow, the Jesus we believe the Jesus we worship is the Jesus who provides solutions. Amen? As believers, it's my goal and in my hope that today we switch our minds and instead of looking for a Christ who can just sympathize with us, for a Christ who can just hear us more than that, to a Christ who has the ability and the power to heal and restore and change things in our lives, in our families, in our friends, in our community, in our cities. Bartholomew knew that. So, he came to Jesus when Jesus called for him. So he asked pretty much the same question. Just different wording. What would you like me to do for you? What do you want? But that paralyzed man, it was clear. Do you want to be healed? And to, to this a blind man, it's like, what do you want? And I feel like that blind man had a smirk on his face when he replied. It might be because as a child, when I, was the, when I watched the movie of Jesus, he literally had a smirk. On his face. So I always had that image of a blind man, like, you know, giving him the look to, to see, of course. Is that even a question? When he asked him, what do you want? He said, I want to see. I want solution. I want to be healed. 
I want to be better. I want to grow. I want to do something. I want something that you can only provide to me. He asked him. He asked him. He didn't say, listen, I've been a beggar for many years. Nobody helps me. It's been a while. My family's left me. He'd never brought this issue of having conversation with Jesus so he can just get his sympathy. He brought his issues with Jesus because he wanted a solution. A solution. See, faith is solution focused. It's not emotion focused. Faith is always solution focused. When you have issues, when you pray in faith, it's about a solution. It's not about an emotion. Faith is not even emotional. Faith is not like, I feel like God will do it. No, no, I know God would do it. His word says he would do it. I don't feel like it. It's not about my feeling. It's not me trying to arouse my feelings so I can feel good about myself. It's about solution. And then the blind man say, I just want to see. And our Jesus reply to him was, let it be according to your faith. The person, is, the person was innocently healed. Let's go back to the story of this blind man. So he asked him and he has his rehearsed phrase that he replied to Jesus. This is, this is the solution. This is my problem. And then Jesus' reply wasn't, oh, let's have a counseling session. I'm not bashing all those like, you know, things. You understand, right? I'm not talking about people. We don't need emotional help. I'm not saying that. But when we come to Christ, we have to come with an attitude that he had a solution. It's not, I don't come to Christ so I can, I don't come into prayer so I can feel good about myself and walk. No, no, I want him because I know he has the solution for my problem. He has the solution for our problem. And that is faith. So he counted to him. Let's go back to the verse. So he told him all the issues he had. And someone else always gets there ahead of me. And he started complaining. Verse 8, Jesus told him, I'm sorry, buddy. That's not what he said to him. He said, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Something about the way Jesus speaks and while it truth, a lot of the Jewish people at that time was the fact that even the Pharisees was that he speaks with authority. Even the way he teach, they would be like, you know, man, this guy speaks with authority. Like there are other Pharisees who knows the word and explain it. But this guy speaks it with authority. So the way he spoke wasn't a suggestion. The way he spoke wasn't like, you know, an idea. What he spoke was a commandment. What he spoke was an authoritative word from him. Do this. Do this. And one thing I understood about faith in my journey is I believe when God speaks, but I stop there and nothing happens. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a solution. Faith is taking action. So this guy wasn't healed when, when uh, he was laying down, what happened was when he got up at that moment, this is like he take action in what he heard and something happened. Because the next word was instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeves, his sleeping bag. Instantly he was healed and he got up and he started doing that. Like how does he know? How did he know? We don't know. He just told him get up, get up. It wasn't even you're healed son. I've healed you. Now let's stand up. That wouldn't make sense. No, no. It wasn't, Jesus wasn't even trying to help him. He was like, stand up. 
stand up. What I want you to do is stand up. You want to be healed? He said, yes, I got the power. I got the solution. So now stand up. And he stood up. He rolled up his sleeping bag, his sleeping mat, and began walking. Literally, he did what he told him. He stood up, he picked up his mat, and he started walking. For us believers, for you and me, that's what faith looks like. Faith is taking action in what the Lord spoke to us. When the Lord says something to you, it's not about dwelling on it and meditating on it. It's not about trying to figure out how does this work. It's not like, you know, how about if I take the next step and if I fall down? It's not all about that. It's about getting up and doing it. I preached on the story of Peter. Peter is another person who just got up and walked on the water. Literally walked on the water. It's not about, okay, what happens? When what happens, calculation happens, that's when he starts sinking. But also, don't be afraid of sinking because the Jesus who told you to walk is the Jesus who can also pick you up. Amen? It's also the same Jesus that can pick you up. So here, he told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. I wish our prayers are like that for the people around us. I wish as people who hang out around the house of mercy, the house of grace, that our attitude would be to look at around the people around us and to say, I'm going to pray for you, for you to stand up, to pick up your mat, and to walk. To speak with authority, to speak with faith. That's what we called for. That's what we called for. But like any human being, when he was obedient, there were people who got offended. Can you say offended? There's a group of people in the Bible that gets, that loves to be offended, that really loves to, off- to be offended. And there's the same group that Jesus always loves to offend. So weird. Jesus tries not to offend anyone except these people, the Pharisees, the religious people, the spiritual people, the people that seem to know God, the churchgoers. Their concern was about the law. Their concern was about the church is not called to make the world holy. Can we agree on that? Church is not called to make the world holy. Church is called to bring people to Christ. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to sanctify people. It's the Holy Spirit who sanctifies people. This church has a, uh, a, like a responsibility to believers, to teach, absolutely. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit to bring holiness. But here, here is a, people, a group of people who thinks the whole world needs to think and act like them. And they're more concerned about their idea than the people. They're, they're more concerned with their theology than the people. They're more concerned with their belief than the people. So they were offended that this guy, who's been paralyzed for 38 years, didn't get healed and waited until it was Sunday to pick up his mat. That he didn't just leave everything there, walk home, come back the next day, and picked it up. Or the fact that he didn't stay in the same bed for one more night. Just one more night. You've been paralyzed for 38 years. One more night is not a bad night. I don't know what they were thinking. But they were offended that on a day of Sabbath, on a day of rest, where the Jews were told not to work, that this guy was carrying his mat. You know, these people have issues. Because Jesus healed a woman, the same uh, woman who was paralyzed for a while as well. And then they were offended that he healed her on Sabbath. And he asked them a question. If any of you have a sheep or a goat 
fell into a hole on a day of Sabbath. Would you not pick them up the same day or would you wait? And none of them answered. Because they all will pick them up, those animals, because they are their property. But the people, they don't have that sense of love and care for the people. So these people were offended. What are we learning from this? What are we learning? Two things. The first thing that we're learning is, hey, don't be a Pharisee. Don't be a Pharisee. Jesus focuses the people, not your Christian worldview, not your ideology, none of that. Christ cares about the people. Christ cares about the people out here. Christ cares about the pe- Christ cares about the people in Winnipeg, and your school place, and your workplace, and your family, your friends. He cares about them. Those people that you think are terrible, those people that are doing stuff, Christ cares about them. And don't be a Pharisee. Don't always say, "God, thank you. I'm not like that person." That's not the attitude. Don't be like that. Number two is what we learn from this, the story of these Pharisees is when God does something, read the room. When God does something, look around. God is healing someone. Join the club. Rejoice with them. When God is working somebody's life, rejoice with them. I got a text this week from someone whom I haven't talked to in a while. You know, in a long time. And, and like, what time is church service? That's all I heard. God, thank you. God, thank you. You're working in this person's life. I don't know where they are. I don't know what they're doing, what they've been up to. But somehow, God is moving. Read the room. Don't say, huh, you haven't been to church. You never replied my text for a year. Now you text me. Huh? What are you going through? I don't care. Read the room. When the Holy Spirit starts to heal, rejoice with the people. Amen? Amen? All right. Towards the end, something happens. Verse 13, the man didn't know him, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well. So stop sinning or something even worse might happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leader that it was Jesus who had healed him. See, Jesus' intention wasn't just a physical healing. It wasn't just a physical. This guy was healed physically but he's going to die eventually. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Isn't that true, church? Whatever your solution is, your earthly solution is, whatever solution, I'm sorry, whatever your problem, our problem is, our earthly problem is, eventually it will come back. Your sickness, you're going to die eventually. You're broke, you're going to die eventually. You have no friends, you're going to die alone eventually. It don't, it don't matter. Whatever problem it is, at the end of the day, you're going to die. Right? Right? Okay, we got no angels walking among us, right? But the most important thing is spiritual. The most important thing is your relationship with God. So he's telling him by saying, sin no more. What he's telling him is, it's not about physical. This guy was paralyzed for 38 years. What is the worst thing that's going to happen to him? It's separation from God. It's something spiritual. So he's telling him, "No, oh, I healed you physically, but that's not, that's not the most important thing in your life. The most important thing is the relationship that you have with God. See, here he talks about sanctification or something we call holiness. The literal meaning of sanctification is to be set apart for God. 
To be holy means to be set apart for God. To have a relationship with God. To have a devotion to God. To have something that lasts forever. So Jesus was telling him, hey, yes, I healed you on a day of Sabbath. I know you get in trouble. I don't care about the Pharisees. What I care is make sure your spiritual life gets better. Make sure you do better spiritually. Make sure your life, your connection with Christ, with me, your connection with God is right. I hope you are blessed and encouraged by the message that you heard. We'd love to hear back from you. Find us on Instagram, JFC Church. We love you. God bless.